Hey everyone, you're live on Professor Bats and Friends. Welcome to the show. Here we go. Is happening what is going on hey guys what a week holy cow how's your week been uh it's been kind of white there's a lot of snow yeah uh, you know we uh i can't remember the last year we got three snowings most years we don't even get like a half of one but this year we've got three full snow and yeah. I'll be dadgum if it didn't snow again on Friday. Yeah. And Same uh, here. it's almost like we're living in Canada or something. I don't know. It's weird. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it just came down. And uh, I got I got lots to do outside. I don't know about you, Tony. But I, I don't have I don't have an indoor shop like you do. Yeah. And so uh, I have to work outside. So I think the last three times that I've had to do like major upgrades on the FJ and the trailer and all that. I've been outside with like a big snow coat on and all this other stuff. And it, it's so just in your rear off. Yeah. 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 But you know, it's, uh, it's been one of those times. Yeah. We got three days, three days. Well, actually two days now to three finish days. getting ready. Yeah. Yeah. We got a big trip coming up. Um, you know, here it is, uh, supposed to be spring here in March. And, uh, so they planned spring break in March thinking it would be spring, but it's still winter and, uh, got a week off from school and, uh, we're going to take off and, uh, head East to the mountains yeah. where it's probably going to be cold and snowy. Uh, it's probably just going to be rainy. Probably just going to no. rain all week. No, it's not going to rain. No. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna wish that away. It's not gonna be there. That's gonna be in like North Carolina. That's where it's gonna be. No, no, no rain. Mm -mm. No, no, I'm not allowing it. <laughs> well, um, hmm, hmm. Well, yeah. you know, I, West Virginia is gonna be beautiful. Yeah, uh, I know you've never been there, but you've had a lot to do. To get ready i still have a lot to finish yeah i'm still trying still to get this trailer to. done i got some stuff to do for the gladiator and get packed and uh, feeling the feeling the pressure well i hate that for you because um since it did snow i was able to get the fj done the trailer's already packed 
All I got to do is throw some clothes in the box and hook up to the trailer and I'm out. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you waited a little late to start your project. Yeah. Actually, you didn't wait late. You just decided. I just, I just figured out I needed it late. And, and then decided, <laughs> hey, I'll go on this trip with you. And then, oh, I'll build this trailer by the time that we leave. And yeah, yeah it's, it's like going to Walmart for some toilet paper and coming back with $200 worth of groceries. Yeah. That's the way it works. <laughs> That's true. Well, I, I think you're doing well getting all your stuff put together, though. The trailer is looking really good. I really wish you had some pictures to show everybody. Yeah, I, I don't have anything uploaded. I, I've probably got something a little bit more current, but I didn't I didn't get time to get it uploaded to the show today. Well, that's okay. That's Travis, right. thank you for joining us. Yep. we got some people coming on and uh, joining us. Here we are right at the beginning. So uh, I appreciate everybody who's coming in from anywhere and everywhere. And uh, going to let us uh, talk and share about our lives this week and then talk to. This is the first time we've interviewed somebody from another country. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. Yeah. I'm excited about this. Um, I, I did it on my podcast, but I haven't done, done it on the live show. And so this is a, this is a treat. This is a treat. I know. So I'm excited. Mr. Mike, how are you? I'm well. How are you, John? Um, we're good. We're doing good. For those of you that don't know, we've got uh, Mr. Mike Offerhouse from MC Ranch Overland with us this evening. Yeah. All the way. Thank from you for Miami. joining us, Mike. Yeah. We appreciate you coming on. Oh, thank you very much for thinking of me. That's awesome. Well, I think of you often uh, because you you have created something that my wife has fell in love with, and uh, recently. Uh, on our last trip uh, on the second snow, not the third snow, the second snow. Uh, I told her, I said, I've been in this house long enough. We've got to get out. we got to go somewhere. And um, we actually uh, tried your product out. And it was it was better than I ever thought it would be. It, it just blew me away. So uh, it's uh, it's surprisingly cool. And we actually love it. And if my wife loves it, you know, happy wife, happy life. Yeah, 100%, uh, so 100%. She said, that thing's staying in the trailer. We're taking that with us everywhere we go. So, you know, that's one of those things. So we're glad that you came on here. And I'm I'm, in, I'm interested to hear you talk about uh, yourself and your product. And uh, first of all, uh, I'd like to, like to get to know you a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself, where you live and where you're from. Well, I, I was born in North Vancouver in British Columbia. And uh, when I was five years old, uh, my dad had a big engineering project in Holland. And my parents were originally uh, from Indonesia, from Jakarta and Sumatra. So my dad and mother spoke fluent Dutch. So this project being in Holland, uh, we moved from 1965 to 1969 uh, to Den Haag in Holland. And then uh, when we came back, we moved back to North Vancouver again, where I was born. And... Uh, yeah, just um, spent most of my, my life here in BC. I uh, haven't traveled that much. Um, I've been most of my life, I've been a construction superintendent, um, you know, building high rises and building out spaces and uh, a few custom homes uh, when I had my own company. And, um, but I've always, you know, I love knocking around the bush. And uh, I, you know, back in the day, of course, it wasn't called overlanding, but 
you know, my first four by four was a 1974 international scout yellow with, uh, really skinny, but super tall military uh, tires and rims on it. So it looked really crazy. Well, mm. not like it wasn't overdone. It was just actually just, just right. Yeah. And, um, I had a 73 Cowie 900, uh, which is the first super bike in the world. And, um, a guy had turned it into a drag bike and I wanted that bike so bad. So I ended up trading the truck for the bike, if you can believe it. Oh, wow. <laughs> At a barbecue. Well, a barbecue. I, uh, so I, I had the showroom condition international scout. I traded for a full race drag bike, which wasn't even street legal. So yeah, anyway. <laughs> That's and, interesting. Well, I'm a, I'm a motorcycle guy, so I totally understand that. Uh, my wife rides her own bike and I ride, I've got two motorcycles, so. I completely understand falling in love with a motorcycle that everything else just doesn't even matter anymore. So I yeah. totally get that. Totally get that. Yeah. I drove to the barbecue and took a taxi home <laughs> <laughs> and then figured yeah. how to figure a way to get the bike home, which actually in those days, I think I just rode it on the street irregardless and rode it home. But, well, um, but yeah. Yeah. I've owned a couple, a couple of Jeeps in the past, um, a TJ and a, um, not a CJ, but a TJ, and what was the one after that? Now, um, L, L, the, one with the square headlights, the last model with the square headlights, oh, YJ. Then, yeah, YJ. YJ, yeah, yeah, and then a TJ, and uh, then I got a nice Xterra. I was the first person that anybody put an ARB bumper on a supercharged wow. Xterra, and uh, I did a little bit of work on that, but um. I bought a ARB bumper that was actually made for a different truck and I retrofitted it and it looked like it came right off the vehicle. And that's right when my uh, two boys were really, really young and, you know, you used to take them fly fishing in that and, uh, you know, catch the big six incher out of the little creek. And uh, yeah. um, so that's kind of where, you know, I grew out of a little bit, not that I didn't enjoy it as much, but, you know, to go hiking or, or mountaineering or backpacking, you know, usually takes an entire week, weekend. Yeah. And um, also some of those remote places, you don't particularly want to leave your truck just parked in the middle of nowhere and head in the mountains for two days and come back. So mm -hmm. I kind of, my mobility changed to, you know, having a practical vehicle that could get me out there and, you know, teach bush, bushcraft skills to my kids and, uh, you know, share it through that. So, wow. so you know, the, the whole thing is... Um, you know, if you can connect with people and, and, and share ideas and teach people and, you know, your kids and, um, you know. Try to pass that on to your kids. Try, try to, yeah, try to yeah. pass all that on. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I remember uh, taking my daughter, uh, both of my daughters out camping. And then uh, when I got my motorcycle, we had a trailer we pulled behind it that we had a tent we put in there. And I ended up buying a pop-up uh camper that i pulled behind my motorcycle and my daughter just absolutely loved that thing and we would just well i'd pull her all over the place on our daddy daughter weekends and and she actually i taught her how to build a fire and and uh she loved playing in the fire and staying up late and roasting marshmallows and she just absolutely loved it and and she and you know it was just one of those times where dad when are we going camping again dad when are we going camping again so it's you know, you put that in them and they, they just absolutely fall in love with it. And uh, that's, that's awesome. 
sharing that with the next generation. And Tony's doing that now with his daughter. Mine are, mine are grown, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, uh, Tony's still got one, a little one at home, so uh, they're taking her out everywhere. We actually got to camp with McKenna, so that's that's cool. Yeah. Well, my boys are well into their 20s, but um, I'm still lucky enough that they call me, you know, someplace several times a day. And on the yeah. weekend, they still want to hang out. And, um, you know, I think, um, uh, yeah, it's a different, little bit of a different generation than, you know, with my dad and stuff. You know, you always, you always mad at them about something because there's too many rules, right? right. You know, but, you know, um, my, my boys, uh, yeah, they just you know one day they went out and they bought pipes like they spent like 150 dollars on these custom-made british pipes like tobacco pipes and mm. they came over here with some amazing scotch and and a cigar for me and and it's not like they abuse it in any way it's not like we sit there and drink scotch all day long but we just sit around and now we sit around the fire reflector in the driveway with a little mm. propane fire pit and it doesn't matter if it's snowing or sunny or whatever and uh yeah it's pretty lucky to have kids that uh still enjoy spending time with you and i certainly enjoy spending time with them so right that's awesome yeah that's awesome well it's um it's it's very cool to meet you very very cool to get to know you a little bit better and um and uh we've we've talked uh i was actually at tony's house and tony had my fj tore completely apart the last time and first time i visited with you on the phone and uh, fortunately, that went well, and neither one of us died. So uh, yeah. you know, it was it was a successful weekend. And so um, uh, I I didn't get a chance to visit with you very much. And I know Tony was Tony was the one who actually uh, reached out to you about your uh, fire reflector and and uh, and visited with you about that. And it was something that he became totally interested in. And uh, and he was like, man, man, I I, I talked I talked to this guy today and. And he's got this product, and it's so cool. You've got to see this. I mean, he's he keeps it right there beside him, so he, he's always. It's like he sleeps with it. I don't know what the deal is, but um, so getting back to uh, what you actually do, and uh, if if people are watching on the screen, they can actually see one in our background. That's what we're going to be talking about: the original fire reflector. But but you called your business. You called the name MC Ranch Overland. Where did that come from? So I my wife and I both really love country music, but we also like the older cowboy music. And I don't know if you've heard of Ian Tyson, but Ian Tyson is a very famous um, Canadian Albertan rancher, uh, orator, and also a, um, a songwriter. And he wrote a song about a ranch that's in Southeast Oregon called, um, I think it's Abel, Oregon, and it's called the MC Ranch. And at one point that ranch was the biggest ranch in the US um, and it had quite a history behind it. So like Ian Tyson, they call him a, a, a cowboyography, basically like um, his stories and his songs tell stories of ranching and, and the cowboy lifestyle and things like that. And um, so Carol and I used to sing the song in the truck every time it would come on and you know, it seems like the MC Ranch used to sell horses once a year and they probably trained them being such a big ranch and maybe cutting horses. I have no idea. I don't know all the history, um, but it's it was a bit of an iconic name. And then with me, Michael and Carolyn, that's MC. And mm -hmm. because Carolyn loves to entertain so much and we've lucky enough that we rented some big properties over the last few years, 
Um, we would have people over and cook in the backyard with the Dutch ovens and, and just have a great community. So we kind of became a term of endearment, MC Ranch. And uh, then the overlanding thing started happening. And uh, I was working on this project and, you know, inventing the original fire reflector. And we basically incorporated the company and called it, you know, MC Ranch Overland Inc. So, yeah, that's that's the history of the name of it. Wow. So it's basically Mike and Carolyn. Mike and Carolyn. Ranch Overland. So, nice. so we're not ranchers. I don't have a ranch. <laughs> but um, you know, we 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 love the lifestyle. We we love the, yeah. the, the how authentic cowboys yeah. tend to be and stuff. And yeah. uh, and the music is humble. And I like all sorts of music. I listen to rock and everything else as well. But um, <coughs> but anyway, yeah. And by the way, uh, you guys, I love some of the music you guys put on your videos. It's uh, definitely high energy. Love it. Well, <laughs> well, thank you. Got to wake people up every now and then. So yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh man, that's that's cool. Well, I appreciate you sharing that with us. That's uh, that was um, that was one of the things I was very interested in is how you come up with the name. So, uh, when did what what really attracted uh, what 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 was the the attraction of overlanding to you? What 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 brought you to it? Was it your past or or just uh, something that you were just interested in? I think they just changed the word of things that we were doing anyways when you know mm -hmm. back in the 70s and 80s you know overlanding back then no they didn't have the rooftop tents but we did have the worn winches and the big incandescent kc daylight you know big chrome lights on the bumpers or light barbs uh light bars mm -hmm. of our vehicles and you know we didn't have a box on the back of the truck even we just sleep literally in the box of the pickup truck in a sleeping bag and um well, you know we used to have a tarp over ours but yeah 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 and um you know we lived uh, uh by a mountain called gross mountain and at the time the road that went to the top of the mountain was open until it became too popular and you know as high school people we would basically literally drive up there middle of nowhere have a bonfire stay up all night sleep in front of the fire and i guess that's where the overlanding became where it all started we were overlanding before overlanding was a thing yeah yeah and then uh there's a couple places you know braylorn is pretty far in the mountains and there was a road called the hurley road and it wasn't paved uh pretty rugged you could only get through it with a skidoo in the winter time and everybody would roll up with their i had my 74 scout and people with the cj5s and sevens and their fj40s and um we all had our bowie knives on our belts and we were just real mountain men with our plaid max on and uh yeah, yeah and listening to leonard skinnard and you know we just head out so i think today it's just become more inclusive because as the fire reflector demonstrates uh when people are comfortable regardless of what their activity whatever activity they're doing, you know, the better it is for the community that's with you, whether it's your family or friends or, right. you know, or even strangers. Right. So right. Um, building an overland vehicle gives you um, and, 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 and exudes um, kind of a level of safety and comfort, you know, and especially for wives or people that are laid to the topic of overlanding where they might be nervous otherwise to put themselves in that kind of a situation. Yeah. So, well, I agree. I don't. I don't think overlanding is anything new. I think it's a it's a new term 
that came out just a few years ago. But, you know, I'm watching, I just fin- actually just finished a series on Paramount Plus called 1883. Um, Faith uh, Hill and Tim McGraw were in that. And, and you know, it, it's just a story of uh, a group of people that's traveling by wagon from Texas trying to get to Oregon, end up in Montana. But, I mean, it's it's pretty much the same thing. They've got their horses, they got their wagons, they got their food. Uh, they got everything that they own with them, and they travel for a day, and they stop, set everything up, cook, spend the night, get up the next day if they want to. They take off again and, and go as far as they want to and stop and take off again. And, and some of the scenery is just beautiful and the things that they encounter and the wildlife. I mean, it's it's nothing new. It's just a new term that's out there, and we do it differently today than what we one they did back then but uh you know all the new gear that's out there and the new toys that we i mean tony gets uh ups has them uh knows his uh, address by heart these days so uh I, I, it's a good thing tony lives in a cul-de-sac otherwise he'd be blocking the street with ups and fedex and everybody else stopping at his house to deliver stuff to it's uh, it's it's pretty it's, funny. It's been pretty, pretty funny chilly lately. Yeah. Thing you got today, so We've got anyway, it's uh, I just think it's a new, it's just a new term. It's just uh, you know, th- a, a new way of describing what's been done for hundreds of years, and yeah. and it's I, th- I think it's it's amazing, and yeah. I absolutely love it. But think, you, you have um, you have one of my favorite vehicles in the world. You have a Toyota Tacoma. And uh, you have outfitted this thing like crazy. So I want you to describe how you have taken uh, a regular, ordinary Tacoma and have made it into an overlanding vehicle. Tell us about that. So I was lucky enough. I was driving to work 4 o'clock in the morning to a construction site, and I went past a Honda dealer. And that Honda dealer had a, um, which looked like a stock, uh, 2016 Tacoma access cab, a desert tan. That's it right there. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically how I bought it. And, uh, I saw it, I drove by it. And then on the weekend I said to my son, let's go look at it for fun. So we went and looked at it and didn't realize that it had like 14 grand worth of stuff done to it. And the dealership mm-hmm. didn't know either. Oh, so wow. it had welded on rock sliders. It had an ARB compressor under the hood. It had a Southwest style front bumper with a um, with a worn winch in the front. Had a uh, um, the rear bumper already. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the brand now, but uh, I had the rear bumper, and it had SCS wheels, which are very desirable for Toyota lovers and Jeep lovers. Actually, they only make wheels for. Um, for Jeeps and for Tacomas or for Toyotas. And then also had my favorite tires on there. It had the 25585 R16s, which are only nine and a half wide, but the 33 and a half inch tall. And I love that mm. cookie cutter kind of military look. And, uh, mm-hmm. and then to, to top it off, it had a manual transmission. So hmm. it had 4,000 original kilometers on it. And the gentleman who traded it in, his wife uh, was having a baby, so they bought a Honda minivan, and he didn't even get a chance to use it. So I went under there um, with my tactical light and looked inside the bumpers and every crevice. Everything was completely clean and brand new. 
So, yeah, and then I got it at, at a steal, like, like way less than you'd pay for a, a new one, and it had all these things done to it already. So, so that was kind of the bones of it. Um, but it it needed it needed more. Again, if I built a overland vehicle from scratch, honestly, I'd start with the brakes. I would put six piston calipers all the way around. That'd be the very, very first thing I'd do. And then the last thing I'd do would be the suspension. I'd do it the other way around. Mm -hmm. um, but that's only if you can do the build continuously until it's done, right? Mm -hmm. But people, normal people like us that work and you know don't have 50 grand to throw around into their truck, you kind of piecemeal it together. Right. And um, yeah. so some people go for the pretty stuff first. And I like to think I go for the practical stuff. but. Um, but yeah, so started chipping it, chipping away at it, and um, yeah, got the uh, uh, got a, um, a habitat, AT Overland habitat, mm -hmm. and it was only used as a display model, and I got that at an amazing discount. So I started by putting that on it, and I put my ha two ham radios in it. One's a UHF VHF, and the other one is a strictly an HF that runs a high Q military antenna. Um, and uh, then I welded on and built my own tire carrier for the back and then repurposed the aluminum box, which you'll see in the pictures in the back to keep my chainsaw and my uh, dynamic recovery um, gear, but not my winching stuff because you hardly ever use that. So that's on one of the aluminum boxes on the roof. Um, I bought a Prinsu roof rack for it. And this particular model doesn't come with the plus nuts in the rails. Um, yeah, so that's it with the um, with the old habitat on there, and you can see that's in the corner is the high Q antenna. My friend Charlie would sell um, all the military antennas to the U.S. Navy, um, to the U.S. Army. Um, you see these on the Hummers in Afghanistan, and also to the South Korean and the Australian uh, military. So it's really cool because it doesn't matter where I am in the world. It's not like I can get a hold of anybody specifically necessarily, but I can always get a hold of someone somewhere. That is the gnarliest antenna I have ever seen in my life on yeah. a vehicle. That thing is it's beefy. Cool. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so it, cool looking. Yeah, it actually has a U.S. patent, military patent on the side of it on a sticker. And how you can see the whip bent over uh, in that photo, um, a lot of lay people would think that that's how you store your antenna but that's actually uh, called Nivis, which is near vertical incident sky wave. So when you have a vertical antenna, the takeoff angle to the, to the horizon is usually around 15 degrees. But with this Nivis configuration, which the military uses, and I use a lot as well, the signal goes up to the ionosphere and bounces back for close range. So anything up to maybe six, 700 miles kind of thing. So, um, so in this configuration is for um, for for sh short range, comparatively speaking, and then in vertical, um, you know, I could talk to Japan and you know all over the world basically. Wow, so, that is so cool. But that little aluminum box on the back there, I've got, like I said, my chainsaw and my chainsaw chaps and you know things like that, and I also keep some of my extraneous uh, combustible fluids in there, so it's not actually sitting inside the camper. Okay. I love um, I love the AT habitats. We um, we actually interviewed the the guy who started 
that company and uh, he told the story about how they got into that. But the way that those campers are built, uh, they're just they're so rugged and uh, made so well. The um, they they build the panels like a composite, so they're actually like one inch thick. So there's like a structural air crate sandwich between two layers of aluminum, mm -hmm. and uh, the construction really is excellent on them. Um, the nice thing about them is you leave your tailgate on, and when you empty your stuff out of it, if you don't actually build out your camper, you can still use your vehicle as a pickup truck. Which now that I've built out my alu cab, you really can't do that as much. But as much as I think this is a top-line, beautiful product and incredibly lightweight at 360 pounds, when you open it, it's all tent. Mm -hmm. And living here in the Pacific Northwest, uh, cold temperatures and the snow, I had a furnace in mind. Um, I think in that photo, you can see the chimney sticking out just by the orange at the top, um, a Dickinson mm -hmm. 9000 furnace. So what happened is if you're out in the cold, minus 10 out, snowing, it heats up the tent. Now the snow freezes onto the tent and then it's very difficult to put it, put it away. Mm. So I would think that that um, camper is more conducive to people that are a little bit in warmer climates, you know, central US, you know, desert states, California, stuff like that. But yeah, an amazing product and I was very pleased with it. Wow. But since then you have changed correctly correct uh you've changed your camper top 100 I, I had it on sale um for sale all last summer and i had two or three people that wanted it but they, they ended up not purchasing it in the 11th in the 11th hour i had a guy come up and offer me I, an offer i could not refuse and that actually paid the difference between getting my alucab so other than the labor of installing it I no money changed hands at all. Nice. And, um, yeah, I'm incredibly pleased with um, the yellow cab. This is the current setup, correct? That's it. Yes, sir. Okay. So, you know, literally the tent is two latches and it's up. Right. Um, the inside, I've built it out now. So my fridge is in the back. I have a wrap-on green electric toilet in the back. And then I built a couple of benches in the back and all my tools are stored in the bench that's directly behind the back window. So it's centered, centered on the vehicle and it's as low as it could possibly be. So that's where all the weight is in the vehicle. So um, that worked out really well. And then I upgraded, I put uh, Radflow um, shocks in the back and coilovers in the front and then Elcan exhibit expedition grade leaf springs in the back. And then for highway use, I put airbags in, in anticipation of I might pull a trailer one day for some reason, even if it's just mm -hmm. a utility trailer. Um, but also for stability on the highway, if you have to, you know, do an, avo an avoidance maneuver, um, the airbags are nice to give that, you know, that stiffness to the vehicle. That is, uh, that's an amazing vehicle. Amazing vehicle. I love it. AUCAB is is way up there in quality, if not one of the best or the best uh, that I've seen as far as quality goes. Uh, Aaron, you know, with Artemis, one of our sponsors, actually has one in his shop. He actually has that same camper in his shop. And, and I've been in that thing all over it. I've climbed all over it, and I've touched every square inch of it. And I keep telling my wife, 
I think we may need a Tacoma for some reason. I don't know. I'm just feeling it. <laughs> well, one thing, if you so, buy a Tacoma, you need to re-gear it. I put five two nines in front and back. So um, most people go a little bit more subtle, I think, 388s. But um, the automatic transmission is absolutely terrible if you don't change the, the mm -hmm. gearing. But I really believe in the vehicle sympathy. And if, you, uh, if you're pulling, like, I'm 70,000, sorry, 7,000 pounds, expedition weight mm. it's for two people all fluids liquids you know water whiskey <laughs> and, um, <laughs> like i said that that those 529 gears my gas mileage went way up uh and uh it's just so much more sympathetic off-road you're going down something steep put in low range don't touch the brakes all the tires and wheels are at the same disadvantage so you know they basically you don't touch your brake it's just it's awesome so I really, really recommend that to anybody that builds up a Tacoma. Yeah, I've, I've got yeah, an FJ Cruiser, and I, I just did a re-gear in mine to 488s, and it makes a huge difference uh, in yeah. mine. And, and I'm heavy. I'm heavy as well. I've got mine completely uh, rigged out, and, and everybody asks me all the time, how much that thing weigh? And I'm like, I don't want to weigh it. I don't, I don't want to know how much it weighs. <laughs> but I get asked that all the time, and, and – uh, and they're like, you're you're over your gross vehicle weight rating, and I was like, you know, it's got everything on it that I want, so it's uh, I'll just I'll just regear it and go on down the road. It does just fine. I'm fixing a. In fact, when we take off on Saturday morning, if I don't drive it between now and then, I'll hit within 28 miles of being 200,000 miles. So uh, it's it's exactly how I want it, and uh, I'm not going to change anything. So. Uh, I love how the Tacomas are, especially with the, the IU cab canopy campers on there. They just, they look really good. They fit well and they're so easy to set up. And as old as I am, I know you're a little bit older than I am. Uh, Tony and I are really close in age, uh, yeah. but the older I get, the easier I want. And I don't want something I'm going to have to fiddle with for a yeah. long period of time and have to, you know, I break a sweat setting up or taking down. I want it easy. And yeah. uh, that's going to make it where I want to go more. And uh, 100%. With, with that being easy to get in and out of, easy to set up, easy to take down, I can imagine that makes it where you want really actually want to get out and use it. And uh, Yeah, like, unfortunately, the last couple of years have been kind of challenging for, for travel, you know, especially here in Canada. And uh, yeah. so I haven't, I haven't, camped in it yet i've picnicked in it um i've been able to kind of use everything in it and just you know vet it and um yeah i'm really really looking forward to uh to getting out in it for sure you know it takes about 60 seconds to put the tent up and it takes maybe a minute and a half to put the little spring steel tensions in the awning for the tent like that mm -hmm. little you know the little cover in the back yeah and then mm -hmm. the big 280 degree awning like if it takes you more than 45 seconds to put that up you're doing it wrong and then there's another 45 <laughs> seconds to put the rain gutter in that connects the back of the truck to the awning so any rain doesn't fall in between there when you're exiting the back of the truck and it just gutters off to the side which is super cool but um yeah that awning is just something else i didn't realize when i bought it i kind of was thinking oh i'm going to get these really cool uh, tent pegs and then i'm going to get you know, some uh, quality bank line uh, and make my own, you know, tie downs and everything for it because, you know, I'm very conscious that, you know, as, as good as they are, you should tie them down before you go to bed. 
And lo and behold, it comes with all that, you know, ballistic mm. nylon webbing and it's, you know, stainless steel, you know, stakes, amazing. And cool. it's got all the keyways where you can slide a 516 bolt in and build anything onto the truck that you want, like the gas can that I mounted on the side. And mm -hmm. um, you know, that's something I'm really pleased with, actually. That gas can is with a uh, front runner um, a holder, but I mounted it in such a way that the can can't lift out or be stolen, but I put it on the non-exhaust side of the truck. So if there was ever a catastrophic failure with that gas can, my truck wouldn't burn down. But the other thing it is, the nozzle from that and my gas um, tank on my truck is only four and a half feet apart. So I can just put yeah. my siphon hose in the gas can and just put it right in my gas tank and I'm filling up my truck just like that. I don't even have to pick this thing up. So hmm. I like those little design things. I don't, I don't like building too many things into a vehicle. Um, the pro things are very expensive, ham radios, um, jackeries, echo flows, all those type of things. Mm -hmm. And because I'm, I'm interested in survival, your kit, a lot of, a lot of pieces in your kit, you want them to have at least two uses. So mm -hmm. when I bought my EchoFlow and the, and the detachable solar panel that comes with it, it's one kind of kit. I took that in consideration <laughs> that um, maybe I'm going to come over to your camp for a few hours. You want to listen to music, so I'll carry it over to your camp. Or maybe I'm at home and there's a power failure at my home. I can use it in my home. So, And also, if I have the very fancy red arc system and everything built into the vehicle, um, if something needs to be repaired, your vehicle's down. But with the Echo Flow or or a Jackery, you can just take it out, you know, and just get sent it away and get it fixed or fix it yourself. But yeah. you just have so much more um, latitude with your gear, and and you get so much more value out of it. I find. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Tony and I both have. Um, He's got the EcoFlow. I've got the Jackery. We and we never leave home without them because it seems like we're always having to plug something in. Always. Yeah. I mean, if you're taking a drone, if you've got a camera, cell phone, you're always having to plug something in. So it's that's definitely. Well, I've got a 45 liter. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. That, no, that was okay. a little. That was a little joke. They were uh, Joey and uh, and the Porker were going back and forth earlier today about what what uh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, cookware they were going to take. And uh, I, I just chimed in and said I was going to bring the microwave. It's, oh, it's yeah. kind of a joke, but anyway. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and when, it, when, it comes, when it comes to us camping, we, we talk more about food and mm -hmm. what we're going to cook with than we do anything. So the, the uh, that, that comes up a lot. Perfect. And Tony, Tony has the biggest flowery um, cooking pot that you've ever seen it's massive because he always wants to do a crab bowl when we go and he has he always brings the most beautiful pot so he wins the most beautiful pot award at every camp that I he brought ever goes it one to. time I brought and it so it's, um, it's just so beautiful but it cooks amazing crab yeah uh, but he but it, we were talking about uh, bringing, you know, different things to cook with. He said, I'm bringing a microwave because it'll fit inside my giant pot. So. <laughs> you didn't bring a microwave, did you? No, 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 no. I was, I, that, was just, that, that was just a joke. They, that they, would be a good test for that EcoFlow, though. See how many times, how many minutes it would run that microwave. Don't dare me. <laughs> how many bags, 
I've got a little tiny rice cooker and I just took it out of my kit, but I think I might put it back in, but I've never actually used it. You know, that intrigues me because I've seen Marco use this rice cooker. I don't know how many times and every time he, he makes something um, that's Asian or, or Mexican or something that has to do with rice. He's like, I just put it in my rice cooker here and take it out and it's done. I'm like, that's so cool that you can do that in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and the uh, thing nice about it, those rice cookers, they have, um, well, it's a modern version of temp- Teflon that's healthier than, you know, the old-fashioned Teflon. But you, all you need is a paper towel to wipe it afterwards, and it's completely clean. It's not like you've got rice, you know, globbed all over your cast-iron mm. pots, and it takes you a year to get it off, and you ruin the finish on <laughs> your cast-iron. It's, yeah, it's, it's not. Been uh, there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Yeah. Well, we love it. We love our cast iron. Uh, um, we've got a, a camp Dutch oven, a large 12 inch one that you put the briquettes on the lid. And then we've got the one without the lip. And then we've got the little French one, the ones that are like the porcelain, not the porcelain, but the enamel, you mm-hmm. know, they're quite beautiful. And, you know, usually people use them only in their homes, but in the old days they used to use them, you know, on campfires as well. And I use mine on a campfire. So. That's awesome. Does your does your wife go with you uh, when you uh, go oh, out on the trips? Very much uh, as much as possible. Yeah, hundred percent. Awesome. So um, it's just again since we've had the setup and starting with MC Ranch Overland and you know we've had so much um, community support and uh, but again you know the last two years has been hard on everybody yeah. world over and um, you know it affected us as well. So. We didn't go, even though I had a table booked for the last two expos in Arizona, um, I couldn't go to either one of them yeah. and uh, couldn't go to the Moore Expo or and um, haven't been able to go visit Marco or Casey or, you know, Michael and Corey from Overland Bound are supporting us. We're on their online store. And, you know, if, if I could get across the border, I'd drive down next week and start visiting, Yeah, you know, but uh, just haven't been able to do that. But uh, so hopefully that'll change pretty soon. Hopefully. Yeah, things can things will realign. They always do. The truth will yeah. set you free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's right. right. That's right. So, but um, yeah, I've, I've got a two hundred watt solar panel on the roof. And when I went for a picnic with my son the other day, um, we just had three tall boys in the fridge in a forty five liter angle. But I set it to minus eighteen, and on an overcast day, um, I didn't lose one percent of of uh juice out of my echo flow mm. so that wasn't even a sunny day wow. and the echo flow came with a 100 watt panel as well so there's a 200 watt on the roof but i've got the extra auxiliary 100 watt so i made my own 30 foot auxiliary cord and it goes into a splitter and if i want what i normally do is i'll point you know my camper opens up into a v so if you mm-hmm. point um, the panel directly to the sun, which is generally south, you get the most um, energy onto your 200 watt solar panel. But if you're facing that way, then the morning sun is coming in from from the other side, basically from the north northeast. Mm-hmm. So it allows me to set up that last 100 watt panel facing that other direction. And uh, yeah, I got all the power I need. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Yeah. Yep, solar just, is just, something you want to tap into that's for sure i know it. it's exciting i just put 200 watt panels on uh, the trailer today oh did you yeah yeah so just just trying to get all that figured out and 
wired in and mounted and got two days to finish. <laughs> oh my goodness, I love it. Oh, we got some uh, we got some superstars on here, Kara from Ozark Overland Adventures is here and Misty just joined us from uh, the day we make. Uh, they have the Kara has her own show probably coming on at nine o'clock tonight. So make sure and tune into that. And Misty has hers on Thursdays with Lady Overlander Radio. And it's is it still women's month? It's still women's month, isn't it? National Women's Month or something like that. I don't know. I yeah, celebrate I celebrate, I celebrate yeah. the ladies every day. So Good thank y'all for being here. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate y'all joining us. Uh, we got a few more things to talk about. Um, we have uh, want to join, uh, jump into uh, the original fire reflector here in just here in just a minute, and a few more questions I have from Mike. But we're gonna take just a little bit, little break. I'm gonna get something from my voice because I'm starting to cough, and we'll be right back in just a second. Hi, I'm Barry Henderson with Turtleback Trailers. I'm Adam with Oki Overland. This is John with Long Creek Overland. I'm Drew with Rosh Quash's Eye. I'm Casey with U.S. Action Tracks. Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Misty from The Day We Wake. I'm Jeremiah from Overland Pioneer. Hi, we're Jessica and Jorge with Woodwork Wonder. Chris from More Expo. I'm Misty from Lady Overlander Radio. You're watching. And you're watching. And you're watching. You're watching. Are watching. You're watching. You're watching. You're watching. watching. Professor and friends. Professor and friends. Professor and friends. Joey the professor and friends. Professor and friends. Professor and friends. The professor and friends. Professor and friends. Professor and friends. Monster Bob. Artemis Overland Hardware. More Expo, April 8th through the 10th, 2022, in Springfield, Missouri. Tack Farm, Blue Cell Coffee Roasters, Linson Solar, Howling Moon Tents and Arms, Big Iron Overland Rally, June 10th through the 12th, Mountain Hatch, Lifesaver Water Filters, MC Ranch Overland, Snowmaster Frigid, Eco Flow, Timbo Tusk Scottles, Dial Dynamics Lighting, and our good friends at Midland Radio. Thank you for joining us. We're glad that you're here. No pros, just bros on this show. Here we go. That always cracks me up. Yeah, it does. It does me too. I can't wait uh, for more Expo and we'll get a few more of those. So uh, uh, I, I really thanks. I always thank everybody for doing those for me and take taking time out of their whatever they're doing, usually after about three or four whiskeys and uh, everybody's willing to do it. So. Right. Well, Mike, every time we come on this show and interview somebody and we ask them what their dream trip would be, almost everybody says Alaska. Um, so my dream trip or one of my dream trips is to go up to Canada, all the way across Canada, up into Alaska. And if I were to do that, tell me some places in Canada that. I want to stop at that I do not need to miss. Well, that's a bit of a yeah, that's a bit of a trick question because we haven't traveled that much in Canada, to be quite honest. You know, I spend most of my time going through BC, but um, you know, my wife and I traveled to Banff maybe eight eight nine years ago, and mm. um, it's it's ski town, right? And little yeah. pubs and you know, very average little restaurants and stuff. But we had a motel and we had our own little jacuzzi and. And uh, we looked out over onto Banff and, you know, it was basically the holiday was more of a date than anything else. And uh, yeah. but it was it, it, it's a beautiful place to see, you know, when you 
first of all, when you come into Alberta, um, the speed limit goes down to 80 kilometers an hour uh, throughout the rest of, you know, most of Canada. It's, you know, up to 100, 120 kilometers an hour. So, and the police in Alberta are a little bit more like the U.S. police. They don't have a big sense of humor for people who speed. So when you drive into Alberta and you and everybody's driving that speed, it is so relaxing. It's so nice yeah. because you're not doing this pole position all the time. Oh, I just yeah. passed those eight cars. Oh, but I got to go. I got to go to the washroom and pull over here. Yeah, but then all these people are going to pass me. You know, like it's it's just not like that. So I really love that. And there's also it's cowboy country right there's there's horses yeah. and there's mountains and and uh there's jack pines and uh and it's just absolutely beautiful so like i said we traveled to banff uh we didn't go to the columbia ice fields but that's supposed to be really special too because it's one of the few places you can drive at the elevation where there's actually glaciers and stuff like that uh british columbia is is a lot more rugged here it's it's wetter um it's uh, it, you see the thing with just make a comparison in the United States, you can drive from state to state, so you can have a destination, but you can drive over a mountain range to get there. Like your mm -hmm. logging roads and your off roads actually take you somewhere. Um, here in British Columbia, 99.99% of the logging roads are actually devised from the logging industry. So most of them end somewhere or they get uh, decommissioned and there's no maintenance done on them anymore. And, um, you know, my friend Sean from the story till now, they're always exploring till the limit to the limits. And, but they're, those are, those aren't recreational roads. Those are most of the time, those are logging roads and they've been decommissioned for years and there's washouts and nobody comes to fix it. So it, it's a, it's a pretty rugged environment. Um, now, do you have do you have national forests up there? Do you have um, uh, land that's owned by Canada for used for recreational purposes? Yeah, like the, the, we have a park close by here called Garibaldi Park, another one called Manning Park, and they're highly conserved um, alpine parks for cross country skiing, mountaineering, ice climbing, okay. all those you know skiing mountain biking, all those type of things. And uh, depends on the elevation and what time of year it is, you know, your sport or your uh, recreation of choice, you know, will, will change. Um, but those parks are spectacular, um, but you're walking in, you know, there's no motorcycles, yeah. there's no dirt bikes, there's no, there's nothing basically. Um, mm. So if you want to get into the wilderness that way, but unfortunately, some of the parking areas, I mentioned it before, to get to these places, you're leaving your vehicle and to leave a vehicle like mine in that remote of a spot for a long weekend and do a hike or a backpack like that isn't a great idea. You basically, it's better just to have a $500 old Toyota beat up, you know, four cylinder yeah. car and take yeah. that and leave it empty or even unlocked. <gasps> but um, so it makes it difficult for us to, um, to explore in that way when you have your overland vehicle with you hmm. but we have absolutely stunning parts here uh everything about canada um is amazing that way but i have not had the privilege to drive across canada and uh it's definitely on my bucket list yeah so where um so what would be a dream trip for you if you were able to get away right now go anywhere um take your tacoma anywhere where would you take it what would be your dream trip 
my my dream trip if i could take my tacoma and i would never do it would be to go to africa where wally wally still can um but i know that sending a vehicle you know that far probably wouldn't be worth it so if i did go to africa and get to see what i wanted to see i'd be you know have to hook myself up with a vehicle when i get there uh but honestly a dream trip for me right now would be to chase some of the overland expos um as they come up in the U.S. based on whatever schedule there may be, and in, and visit the very important people in my life that have helped us so much over the last two years, like Peter and Carol from the Epic Family Road Trip, and mm-hmm. and visit Michael and Corey from Overland Bound, and Marco and Brad from Trail Recon, and 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 just shake these people's hands and and um, you know because if if you see somebody on YouTube and you've been watching them for five years and they don't know you it's like they're a movie star to you or some, yeah. you know, yeah. some amazing celebrity and you, they don't know you from Adam, but they've been part of your life for years and years and years. Right. Yeah. So, right. But you know, these, these YouTube channels gave us a chance and uh, also like uh, field vans USA, which used to be Sportsmobile, We're on their online store. So um, one of the reasons that they put us on their online store is that we're so much about community and family and they're a family business and they've done me the favor of putting my product on their on their online store i think i'd like to go down there and actually meet that family and see their facility and um mm. and uh you know so sure. a little bit of payback and and you know yeah. meet people and and the people that are ready um part of the community just put a bow tie on it by saying hey i actually went and saw that guy so yeah. you know cook a meal with Marco. That'd be unbelievable. Right. right. Oh my God. You know, I, I would probably, yeah. I, I would say, don't even open up your truck, P- put up your tent. Carol and I are cooking for you tonight. Like just because he's on every show, he's the chef, right. And it'd be fun yeah. to go down there and just, just cook for him and, uh, and see if he enjoys that. So, yeah, but I think that would be my funnest thing. Carolyn and I, uh, we went to Cannon beach in Oregon, um, and we went to Bend, Oregon, which we absolutely loved a few years ago. I don't know, about four years ago now. Um, we love Oregon. I agree. It's it's just it's stunning. It has a little bit of everything. It's got the desert. It's got the mountains. It, it's it literally has everything. The people are amazing, and it's also kind of got that cottage environment. You know, yeah. um, when you watch the look at these signature stores like uh, uh, Snow Peak, they have their their signature store in Portland, for example, right? And and all those type of, you know, stores are really nice to visit. And, uh, you know, or Filson, you know, Filson making the... Filson, uh, yeah. Filson, right? They're also, they're out of Seattle, right? And so I've been wearing their stuff for most of my life, at least when I could afford it, when I got a little bit older. Yeah, yeah. But I'd love to go down and see the facility and meet these guys, right? Show them what I do and yeah, see what they do. And That'd be so, a big trip. Yeah, that'd be a big lots of places to hit. Yeah, well, I'm re- I'm reckoning I'm 61 now, and hopefully I'm good till about close to 100. So I hopefully I'll have enough time in there to eventually my kids. If MC Ranch Overland when we make it a success, my kids can show for me in my truck. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's awesome. Well, uh, speaking of MC Ranch Overland, we've been going on for almost a little over 50 minutes talking about you and and different things, but I want you to share your product with us, uh, where it came from, uh, what made you think of it, 
um, and, uh, you know, kind of the process of how you developed it and why. So with knocking around the woods all my life, um, we used to do a lot of bushcrafting and we used to do the thing where you put the two poles or four poles in the ground, then you stack some wood in front of your fire to create a bit of a heat sink. So it wouldn't really reflect heat, but it would get warm and, you know, and, and it would reflect heat back to you. Mm -hmm. uh, the same analogy is, you know, building a fire by a rock wall and the rock wall becomes a heat sink and the heat comes back to you. Then when I was a little bit older, I started volunteering for search and rescue. And what was happening here, especially in the winter seasons where it seems to be the busiest, uh, we would get flown in with a helicopter uh, in the evening, but you couldn't make it out with your, with I'm going to call them victims and not always hurt. Some of them just lost or whatever, but you can't always make it out that same night. So years ago, I thought of, a way that you could create a nest to keep your, keep your community warm when you're kind of hunkering down through the night. Um, and that kind of went dormant. And then one day, oh, three years ago, three and a half years ago, I just had a light bulb moment. Um, I didn't have a pad of paper. I just had the cardboard 11 and a half by 17 on the back. And I started sketching and I sent it to my aluminum manufacturer. And I asked him, um, to make one of these for me. And at the time they were costing me just under $700 Canadian to have the first four built. Um, aluminum is very expensive. Uh, CNC machining is expensive. The finishing is expensive. It's, it's, it's pretty, pretty unbelievable actually when you really start building things, you know, how mm -hmm. the numbers add up quickly. Yeah. So I had some prototypes made and that was the first time that um, Carolyn and I went to uh, Cannon Beach and relatively close to Cannon Beach is a beach called Gearhard Beach and it's one of the few beaches in Oregon you could still drive on and I didn't have my patent pending yet and the world hadn't seen this before and it was my invention so we drove about you know 15 uh, miles up the beach to a hidden location on a cold day and I actually tried it for the first time and um, because we we're celebrating we poured a couple of bourbons and uh and carolyn was there in a summer dress but it was a windy beach in an over overcast day and she was about 15 feet from the fire in a summer dress and completely warm and i just i just knew we had something at that point uh we were really stunned how um how it was working and the difference with the fire reflector it's not a heat sink it doesn't get hot it's not absorbing heat and reflecting your back it works off the principles of a parabolic arc and with the properties of aluminum. So just like those antennas that point into the night sky and they've got the, um, the piece in the middle, which is the fulcrum where all the radio waves go, this is sort of the same idea. So when you set it up in a parabola or a parabolic arc, it reflects heat off those principles. And it, instead of the heat going straight up, it basically rockets back towards you. And even with a very modest fire, you can feel the heat 15, 20 feet away. Uh, the other nice thing about it is if your family has one in my family, we could use yours for cooking and mine for the campfire. But later you can blend two of them together and create a bigger nest for more people, more community. But so it reflects the heat, reflects the light, creates community. It creates controlled cooking environment and windy conditions. You can approach the fire reflector from the backside when you're cooking 
and then you don't get the heat from the fire on your legs or your feet. So there's a bit of a safety element there. And, uh, and of course, it doesn't get hot. So if a child were to touch it or a dog walks by it, they won't spontaneously combust. <laughs> and that's, that's because of the aluminum, right? Instead of it being stainless or something else, it's the aluminum that doesn't absorb the heat. Yes, correct. And, and you're not counting on it being a heat sink. So the fire reflector sits a reasonable distance away from the fire. You never want the flames licking or touching the fire reflector. You've got a good two, two solid feet there. Set it up in an arc. <laughs> And uh, bless you. <laughs> and, the, um, and the heat just goes back. And then when the night falls, the flickering light and lighting up your campsite. So you don't need any LED lights anywhere. Maybe one, one headlamp you might wear. And uh, yeah, you can navigate your campsite. And it's just, it's just heartwarming. It's just, yeah. it's a, it's, it creates a nest. And we, we do this one thing, and my kids are sick of me doing it, but we'll be sitting in front of it for an hour or so, and then I'll get up and just take it away. Right, Dad, you've already done that 100 times. But you, <laughs> when you take it away after you've used it for 10, 15 minutes, half an hour, you really get that light bulb moment. The entire experience is gone. The nest is gone. Everything beyond the fire psychologically feels like the abyss, so you kind of look into the dark. It doesn't have that captivating mm. feeling. Yeah. And people just love it. And the thing that's really special about it is women, you know, women can stand cold weather and, and warm weather just like we can. But, but generally, you know, women tend to get a little bit colder or kids get colder around the campfire. When people are comfortable in that environment and really comfortable, they become more extroverted because they're more relaxed and they're enjoying themselves. That just makes the conversations that much better. You know, yeah. the stories you tell yeah. are so much more meaningful because you're, you're, you're like in a womb, you know, you're, you're, you're home. And, and that is a very special thing. An analogy that I use, remember when we were younger and going to house parties, where did everybody end up in the kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. They always ended up in the kitchen where the food was and the warmth was. And, um, and this is sort of the same thing when you go camping and you're with your family uh, and, or your community, your best friends, whoever it may be, the campfire is sort of the Holy grail at the end of the day. So mm -hmm. this accentuates that entire experience. Um, Sam Devlin, my amazing business partner who had hired me at my last company as my, as a senior construction superintendent, he turned the phrase, the arena of engagement. You know, it creates this arena and, and we just love that. So we've kind of coined that phrase. And uh, so, yeah, the fire reflectors, the arena of engagement, and it just creates an incredible memory. So, yeah, pretty happy with how it's turned out. And uh, the, the support and the reflection that we're getting from our community is amazing. Um, it's almost like I wrote some of these reviews myself, but I, I, I certainly haven't. I'm very grateful for every last one of them. So Mike, you were, you were telling me um, as part of the manufacturing process, what, there was a um, something that they did uh, that would smooth the edges. Yeah, so uh, what was that called? Yeah, it's a flatter machine. F flatter, that's right. -E and it's, it's like a... a I, I don't know how much it's worth, maybe half a million dollars. I really don't know. But it's like a grinding machine 
that was originally designed for prepping surfaces for painting. And it makes everything very cohesive. And it almost gives it, it's kind of like a shark skin look that's on it. But it also rounds off and quarter rounds all the corners. And there's the caricature of the fire that we laser, or sorry, um, CNC water jet cut out of it. Well, those edges would have been sharp otherwise. Yeah. When you flatter it, every, everything is just like satin. Like you can touch mm -hmm. any part of this. It's actually quite beautiful to touch. That's what got me whenever I pulled it out. I was like, holy cow, this is really, really nice. I mean, yeah. sharp edges, you know, it doesn't absorb heat. It's safe. I mean, that was one of the things that really impressed uh, my wife when we first used it the first time she reached out and touched it. She said, this thing isn't even hot. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the finish on it is what really drew me to it. It was almost like it was polished um, and there were no sharp, sharp edges on it. And when you pull a piece of metal out of a bag, you think, oh, I need to be careful with this or it's going to cut me. Um, but there's no place on there that that's like that. It's all, like you said, uh, the machine does a great job of rounding it off, making it where it's not um, sharp sure. on any of the edges. And uh, the finish is amazing and it does not get hot, but the yeah. reflection, the, the two things that really sold me on it, the reflection, like you said about the light, uh, I, I did not believe it till I actually saw it because you know, there's so much going on now with um, with the way you can manipulate photographs. And so I can make a photograph look like anything. But until you get out there and actually see it, actually work, I can promise you this thing puts off so much light. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, I didn't even have to turn my trailer lights on. Uh, it put off that much light. But we could tell when we stepped out of that circle you're talking about, about the warmth and the heat, uh, because we had a rug spread out in front of ours and we were sitting back three or four feet away from it and we were completely warm. But if I had to go to the FJ to get something out or something like that, I told my wife, I said, it's colder out here than what I thought it was. Because I've been sitting up there around the fire and normally when it gets in the twenties, you gotta be almost on top of the fire. To, to stay warm yeah but it was in the 20s when we were out there everything was freezing uh, my water that I had in the trailer froze my sink froze but when we were sitting outside three or four foot away from this fire we were fine and that was what really sold me on it was this thing really does what you said it'll do yeah 100 uh, yeah yeah so, you're not exaggerating any way there um the uh the bag is really cool yeah, the bag is is true military grade. It's it's double one thousand Cordura with military grade Delron zippers. The material on the bottom isn't actually a Hapalon like what they make Zodiacs out of, but it's very similar. And that's just an extra durable material. That's um, you know generally you sit it between your fridge or something in your vehicle, so that's that's where it bears. But you know even the carrying case, you know you can have a carrying case made for twenty bucks, but you know these things are, you know you know, close to $70 just, just for the carrying case. But it's supposed to be heirloom quality. It's supposed to create memories. It's supposed to allow, there's Graham Cahill. What an awesome guy. What a beautiful Love that guy. Is. Yeah. Man, I love that it. guy. He said he'll pretty much never have a campfire without it. Now, I gave it to him just as a gift and didn't push him to 
going to YouTube with it and all that kind of stuff. I think a show is uh, syndicated in so, so, some way where he can't just kind of free for all and bring new products in. But on a personal level, he's told me that he'll pretty much never have a campfire without it. He just absolutely loves it. Now we have a question. Rick wants to know, haven't seen them up close. What holds them up? So explain to us how you set it up and what holds it up, what holds it in place. So it it's 10 gauge aluminum and it weighs about 27 pounds or actually exactly 27 pounds. And in a parabolic shape, you can see in Graham's photo here, the side panels are actually almost parallel to each other. So that configuration is more to covet your fire and give yourself a controlled environment for cooking. But when you open that up a few more degrees and create that parabolum shape, it still has an amazing amount of stability. I've, I've had it in 20, 30 mile an hour winds and it doesn't blow over. Having said that on the outer panels, there are two little feet and mm -hmm. I've, the hole that I've drilled in it is the size of a 10 inch Ardox nail. I don't know if you can so, see that, Rick. Yeah, so yeah. those are the feet. So if you do feel you want to stake it down, you can. Or when yeah. you're blending two of them together, you can just put a stick in the ground in that hole. When you lam you so when you blend two of them together, you laminate two panels together, the one with the caricature of the fire, and then mm -hmm. you come out like this. And with those feet, you can stake it down. But they don't fall over. Just intrinsically, the shape that you put it in holds it in place. Yeah. Yes, it, it it held up really well. It stayed there. It did not move. It was um, it was actually perfect. And I think this this photo here is what you're talking about the parabola. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're actually really lucky. We're working with a amazing guy. His name's Andre, and he's a cinematographer and a photographer for iCamper and for Claymore. And he got his fire reflector two weeks ago, and I think he's going to ten of the most prominent bucket list places in the US, most beautiful places uh, for, for iCamper and for Claymore. And um, he's taking photos and video of the fire reflector along the way to give us some content and also our, give us his opinion on it and also just share the product with other people. And he sent me a note, which was, was pretty nice to hear. He says, Mike, I understand the science behind it. I understand the parabolic arc and all that. But if I really had to describe this to you, I'd use the word magic. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I laughed and I said, yeah, well, yeah, it is kind of, it's, it's a culmination of little facts that end up telling a great story, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah there's uh, there's one picture that, uh, that I really like, Mike, one that you, you've got on your Instagram. Yeah, so this, so this is a uh, 80 kilometer lake, 80 kilometers by about six kilometers across called Harrison Lake. It's springtime. It's cold out. There's two foot rollers on the lake. And my wife and um, a dear friend of mine, uh, Jesse's wife, um, Katie, they're sitting about 10 feet in that photo, 10 feet away from the fire reflector and um, not dressed particularly warm at all and having a glass of wine together and just cozy as a bug in a rug. Yeah, I think you were explaining to me also that uh, it, it works as a wind, you know, kind of breaks the wind up too. And, and uh, you know, as far as the, the 
the smoke following you around the campfire and that sort of thing. Yeah, the, the this this phenomenon where you know it's like people who smoke as soon as you light your, your cigarette, the bus shows up, kind of thing. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> yeah. kind of thing. You know, you're talking your wife into coming out, get out of the tents, and come sit by the fire. And next thing you know, the first five minutes, smoke in the face. It doesn't matter where she goes. So this definitely mitigates. Um, you know that spiraling smoke that's out of control all the time but the other thing is when you're in the wilderness or when you're overlanding resources are important could be water could be fuel could be wood could be briquettes and what this fire reflector does is by mitigating the wind creating the controlled environment you're not burning your resources like a blowtorch in the wind basically so you put a yeah. log on and just blown and just burned like crazy and you've got that controlled environment yeah. so it, it conserves those resources and um yeah that's 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 sort of a big deal you know when yeah. you're cooking and you're trying to boil a pot of wa uh, coffee but it's really really windy and the pot takes forever to boil as soon as you can capture that area create that controlled environment now your your cooking device works so much more effectively that's right you're right, and it's it's magical for those of us who cook with Dutch ovens because it's that's one thing you have to control is the wind and control the temperature of the oven. So you create yourself, and I think I watched um, uh, a video from Epic Family Road Trip, and they had their they were actually camped on the beach um, down in Texas, and they had their setup because they were cooking with Dutch ovens, and that was the way yeah. they controlled the environment in order to uh, cook with it, and it was. Uh, it's you know makes it makes it that much better when you're actually able to control the environment so yes very cool well i love that um I, you know I've, I've actually used it i know there's uh people watching who actually haven't seen one of these in per in person uh the hinge panels the way that it's set up the way that it reflects light and heat and all that um uh, tony and i will always have ours with us so uh next time you're camped with us i guarantee you, you'll see one uh, but it it does exactly what Mike says it will do. It is uh, it is something that's that's very cool, and uh, I was impressed, very yeah. impressed with it. Yeah. I was impressed with the bag before I even took the thing <laughs> out. I mean, the bag is impressive itself. It's uh it's made very well, so it's uh, it's pretty. Well, you know, with Sam and myself and Carolyn, you know, what's more important to us than anything is. Yes, with the fire reflector, we're not selling a product, we're selling an experience. But <laughs> we, it's our brand. Yeah. So, yeah. aluminum yeah. prices since we started this project went up 35%. So, now the panels are being delivered to my house and I'm building every one of them myself. Um, they're all, it's all aluminum. The hinges are aluminum as well. The pop rivets are aluminum. Uh, people ask about the pop rivets and say, why are you bolted on? Well, that's why they make planes with rivets because rivets are the strongest way to fasten two items together and the most reliable but i build them here myself i do the quality control there i am right there right and, there um and uh i package them and i ship them so and like i said if i can cross the border again soon i intend to drive through the states and visit as many as the people first the people that have been helping us and promoting us i'd mm. like to say thank you and cook them a nice cast iron dinner of some sort and oh, share yeah. a cold one share a campfire yeah, share a campfire for sure Huge, yeah but um, Huge, yeah that's yeah. awesome well I, I look forward to meeting you one day i'm pretty sure that'll happen uh th surely things will get back to normal whatever that is i'm not even sure we know what that is anymore 
but one of these days it'll get back to normal and we'll be able to travel freely about the planet and and that'll happen now mike is are you do you want to share uh here's your opportunity but do you want to share world premiere we have a lot of those on this show so uh, do you want to share anything that you have in the works uh, yeah so it was it was actually shipped today uh, we only had nine samples made so far but our new product is called the harvester and the idea of the harvester is it folds up like an accordion it's uh four panels that are reinforced with nylon backing so they have stiffeners in them and uh, they're 10 inches by 30 inches each and the outer ones where you can see the orange in this photo is actually an envelope and in that envelope on one side you could put your silky saw and your gloves and the other side you can put your swedish axe or machete or whatever your your harvesting tool of choice is and this is not in the folded up configuration but the full the folded up configuration it's completely flat maybe inch and a half thick 10 inches by 30 inches and you walk into the forest with that with your tools and once you harvest your wood you put it on the harvester and even if you had your chainsaw with you you can also put your chainsaw on top of the wood when you're done you can safely put your implements of destruction into those envelopes put the shoulder strap out on and then you can carry your wood out of the uh, forest safely or maybe you're beachcombing. You know, you walk on these logs and they're slippery and you've got an ax in one hand or a saw and then you've got a shirt, you know, full, full up with uh, where you're carrying logs like this. You know, it's just not safe. It's, it's really, really impractical. It makes it, you know, how many times do you say, oh, who's the next person who wants to get wood? Well, we're hoping that we've changed where, where people aren't going to resist so bad and they're going to grab the harvester and... Uh, and get out there and pick up their wood safely. And you can carry a ton of wood on that thing. So that's awesome. I think and that's it's also, cool. Uh, it's at least two layers of 1000 Cordura at the envelope. It's probably four layers. It's got nylon frame sheets in each panel. So when you're carrying a heavy load and you've got your ax in there, which has the handle or your saw and it's rubbing up against your thigh, you don't get those shapes telegraphing through to your leg where that might be uncomfortable when you're walking with it so mm -hmm. again it's a bespoke product um it, it's super high quality it should last a lifetime at least uh and uh yeah that's something unique to the market it really doesn't exist out there now so cool very so nice yeah i get nine of them they should be here i think within a week and i'm going to share them with some of our youtube people and probably awesome. one with yourselves and uh, you guys can go experiment with them and then what we're thinking of doing um is just take pre-orders and see how much interest there is in it mm. and then make more of a financial commitment and then have more of them made obviously making a financial commitment to any product when you're making thousands of them you know the prices come down uh yeah. we don't have that luxury right now we're just a small company mm. we're trying to make special things we're not farming it off to asia everything's made actually i have to give a shout out to the last u.s bag company because they're mm. the people that are making our carrying case for the uh, original fire reflector and they're also helped me uh, design prototype and get the harvester to where it is today and yeah i'm really looking forward to getting one in my hand within a week or so wow awesome very, nice. very cool very cool well i'm very excited about that i think that's gonna i think that's gonna be uh 
Excellent. You know, if you're going to have a, if you're going to have a fire reflector, you need to have a fire. And if you want to have a fire, you got to have wood. So they work well together. I think, it'll, right. I think they'll work very, very well together. Yeah. And I like so, even when you walk into the forest, you know, you can have your chainsaw in your hand, even if it's got a, a protector on the blade, you're still, now you're down to one hand with your chainsaw. With this, you can put your chainsaw inside the harvester, even before you've put any wood in it, put the shoulder strap on and you can, you know, ingress into the forest safer yeah. so yeah right yeah even if you're just picking up limbs off the ground you, know, you can oh, carry yeah. just about anything with it yeah yeah or you can go beachcombing and pick up rocks and see how much you'll carry shiny <laughs> <laughs> rocks oh i love it i love it well that is that's amazing you've got two amazing products uh that are that you're offering to everybody and uh, one's definitely out there on the on the market now and if you're coming to our, our sponsored event, uh, More Expo. If you're coming to More Expo, I know that there will be at least one vendor there that will have the regional fire reflector uh, that will be there. Uh, he will have set up on display and probably more than one. So yeah, so we're gonna have uh, Jeremy Byington, who's the owner of New Holland Overland. Hmm. And then there's, um, so, sorry, I think it's, let me just have a look here. Clayton from Beadlocker USA, Beadlockers, Beadlockers yeah. plural USA. Yeah, he's going to be there as well, and then you awesome. guys are going to be there in some capacity. Aren't that's you? right. That's right. We'll have ours set up. Very cool. So that's we will be there. So if you're coming to More Expo, you definitely get your get your hands on one or get your eyes on one uh, for sure, uh, because you definitely want to see this thing. You don't want to just listen to us talk about it. You know, that's it's, right. Uh, it's very impressive in person. Yeah, the, you know the the thing that's been it's been good and bad for us. But when you when you understand how it works, you've seen all the photos, you believe in the science, you believe in us and the product. It's really when you've sat in front of it for half an hour and you take it away. That's when you get that exponential light bulb moment, and that's that experience that we're really hoping to um, exploit, so yeah. people really get to. So I'm so grateful, uh, Joey and Tony, to both of you that you get to share your original fire reflector with other people and give them that moment because that's yeah. that that's the moment where people go aha or that's mm -hmm. the the day the wife says to the husband yes i'll go camping with you if you buy one of these and <laughs> we're hearing more and more of that and it's kind yeah. of exciting yeah Car carol van strahlen loves hers for cooking oh yeah you know oh yeah yeah. A couple of years ago when they were in Texas on the same beach, um, Peter sent me a message. He says, there's one more thing the fire reflector does, and it's a really important thing. It keeps the sand out of your food. <laughs> yeah. And if you've ever kept, uh, camped on the beach, you know that that is an issue. Uh, sand yes. gets in everything. And so, you, you know, I may have it in my bed. I may have it in the seat of my FJ, but I don't want it in my food. I can't stand uh, so. one grain of sand in my mouth makes me crazy. I don't know how I don't know how dogs do it. They pick up a, a tennis ball off a beach that's soaking wet and covered in sand, and they play with it all day long. I don't yep. get that, but yep. I don't think humans are. We're not. My dog did that the whole time we were down there. He laid in it. He laid under the FJ, and he's a bulldog, so his tongue is three times bigger than his mouth. So every time he lays down, his tongue's on the ground, and he was he would get up, his tongue would be covered in sand and i just i don't know I, you know and travis says that's why you won't ever catch me camping at the beach it's different 
it's different. You got to want to be there. Uh, the wind blows all the time and sand gets in everything. But uh, if you do go out there, uh, that's the fire reflector is uh, something that you definitely want to have because the wind is always blowing and you can't cook anything um, without sand getting all in your food or blowing your fire out or, or doing whatever. So, yeah, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't remember his name, but um, I had one early adopter, one of the first people who bought a fire reflector reach out to us and said that his dog is mildly insane and all that ever does is run a campfire is eat sparks. So when they would when they would sit around the campfire, the dog would just be there. Like you know how some dogs eat bees and wasps. That's all they just yeah. go after them all day long. Well, this dog would just go after these sparks, and it would make them crazy. That you know, give us some peace and quiet, go away, dog, kind of thing. Then they got the fire reflector, and the dog didn't want anything to do with the fire anymore. <laughs> he, oh, lay, wow. he 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 would lay on the carrying case like a bed in front of the fire, and just sleep. Because hmm. he loved the heat. And I guess it was just like being at home in a log cabin in front of the campfire or in front yeah. of your, you know, See, your fireplace. He was just trying to tell them that they needed to get a fire reflector. <laughs> well, and, and one thing that a lot of people uh, don't realize is when, when we're talking about this fire reflector, keeping the wind off the fire. Yeah. Um, you're also keeping the smoke out of your face. And that is the, one of the things that drives me absolutely crazy. If you're one of those people like me that the smoke follows you everywhere you go, it don't matter which side of the fire you sit on. If you get one of these, the wind does not blow the fire. It does not blow the smoke. And you don't get smoke in your face the whole time. We did not get smoke in our face one time a few weeks ago when we used this. I mean, it was just everything about it we just loved. And that was when my wife said, okay, uh, we're not leaving this at home. This is uh, There's some things we may trade out, but this is going with us everywhere we go. So it's actually a safer condition as well. One thing we've noticed is uh, depending on what kind of wood you're burning, sometimes you might put a cedar bow on and then it kind of crackles and you got lots of sparks, but mm. it, it creates more of a column and, and mm -hmm. the sparks go up vertically as opposed to being a campsite might be sort of summer conditions, maybe not forest fire season yet, but you still want to be res as responsible and yeah. considered as you can for public lands. And, you know, so we can keep going out there overlanding and corralling your fire like that and not having the wind corrupt your fire that's that's a big deal when you're out in the forest you know sure it, 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 it cradles the sparks it captures them and uh you know it just so there's so many different little facets right yeah, yeah. so yeah. we'll see what it, what what's the next one that somebody thinks of or comes up but and, and two it works it doesn't it doesn't have to be around a fire it can be around one of the propane fire pits too it mm -hmm. can and the other thing that it works exceptionally well is if you're a hunter and you have a um, hunting tent like a canvas hunting tent with a wood stove in the corner if you put the fire reflector around that it'll direct the heat horizontally across the floor and it's exponential and you're actually creating a safer condition because the back of this wood stove and i know most of these tents are fire resistant and stuff but the back of the wood stove you know you imagine how hot they get yeah. they're made of iron they take a long time to cool down um, but now you've created a barrier between the tent and the wood stove. Hmm. And, uh, um, and again, you create light, of course, you know, it's, there's not as much light depending on what type of wood stove it is, but certainly the heat. Right. And if you're drying your clothes yeah. and you've got a bunch of hunters and your clothes are all wet, it's, it's the only way to do it. Nice. Wow. Very cool. So I love it. 
I think it's amazing, and I think you should uh, try it out, and you'll think it's amazing too. I promise. That's right. Oh. Uh oh. So um, so we've we've about come to the we've about come to our limit. Uh, we've come here about an hour and a half. We've been talking about this for a lot. Um, and uh, and so uh, really appreciate Mike coming on and telling us about his fire reflector and the new things he's got coming out. Um, now, we have a giveaway that's going on our social media with Overland Spices. I uh, really hope that, um, that everybody goes to our Instagram and checks that out. And... Um, we're getting some uh, feedback somewhere. Yeah, somebody's watching TV somewhere. <laughs> um, but I really hope everybody goes to our Instagram and uh, looks that up and signs up. Uh, it's really easy to do to win some Overland Spices. And tune in next week. Uh, we're probably going to come to you live from West Virginia. We're really excited about that. So, uh, um we're really excited about going to West Virginia and we're probably going to be sitting around a fire, probably around a fire reflector uh, coming to you live from West Virginia. So make sure you tune into that. Yes. But um, anyway, we are excited to bring you this week's uh, guest, uh, Mike Offenhouse, Offerhouse, I'm sorry. Offenhouse, That's okay. Uh, from uh, the MC Ranch Overland, uh, all the way from Canada. Mike, we sure appreciate you coming on. Well, I'm very grateful for the invitation, and uh, I'm really, really looking forward uh, for you to meet Sam next time. Um, yes. He's one of these, you know, a 14-hour day for him with a construction company he's part owner in. Um, that's a short day, it seems like, and yeah. I really don't remember the last time he had a vacation. And uh, so he's in Maui right now with his wife, and uh, she's a professional, and they're always like two ships that pass in the night. So it's so nice that you know they can spend some time together so i don't yeah. begrudge him for not being here um i couldn't do this without him he's an amazing person he's a mentor he's a friend and you know carol and i consider him part of the family my boys absolutely love him uh, they all drink scotch together and <laughs> yeah. um so i really think mc ranch Oland has some substance uh because of those people and um i would really like to say a thank you to um to marco to peter and carol epic family road trip um you know uh, casey from coyote works chrome from van city van life all these people uh or victor from uh what's that last one is um uh oh victor hang on i don't want to forget victor here guys uh victor is uh gear into adventure on youtube and okay. uh, these guys are supporting us, and I've never asked them for any f uh, favors. They're just doing it out of the kindness of their heart, and uh, God bless them. And uh, you've really been a big help. Awesome. Excellent. Well, I'm really glad that you're putting a quality product out there. We are excited that we actually have some to show everybody. So if you're interested in one of these, contact uh, me or Tony, and I guarantee you we'll be camping somewhere and we'll have one set up. That's right. But I really hope that everybody takes advantage um, of the time change. We got a lot more light at the end of the day now. We got warmer temperatures coming. Please, Lord, help us have warm temperatures coming. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be getting out there a lot more. And on, be, on behalf of Mike and Tony, uh, we appreciate you being here. Appreciate you joining us on the show. Have a great week. Live the best life while you still have time. 
look out for number one and don't step at number two. Have an awesome day. Thank you for watching. Professor and Friends. Professor and Friends. Joey the Professor and Friends. Professor and Friends. Professor and Friends.